0: Welcome to The Spirit of Success, a podcast hosting honest conversations for people who want to show up and work in life to create their own limitless realities. Each week, we deliver spiritual inspiration from real people, sharing their stories about authentic living from the road less traveled. Now, here's your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie
1: hello and welcome to episode 11 of spirit of success the podcast i am your host dr tracy debbie i am so excited to have you here for episode 11. this was originally my target goal when i started this podcast to get to this many episodes so i am thrilled to be here and it is actually our it is our episode before halloween and i feel completely honored to have kate on the show today, Kate Fowley, who loves this time of year. So I think it's so fitting that she's on the episode today. I met Kate a few years ago at the same time I met Renata. Um, Check out episode seven. And um, Kate does tarot um, now. And I've had a few readings with her that honestly were at the right times and really changed the direction and the energy Um, of my life. And so she's full of so much wisdom. In this episode, we talk a lot about what she's learned um, on her journey. And I hope that that could benefit you. So what I want to let you do right now is hear the episode. everybody and welcome to Spirit of Success and welcome Kate. Thank you for being here today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I I was so excited that you wanted to have me on. Yeah, thank you.
1: I mean, you've been on my wish list. But I start off every podcast by telling everyone how we know each other first. And then I'll tell you what really prompted me to actually go through and and like have the courage to ask you to be on the show. So I knew you, you probably don't know this, or maybe you do. Um, We had Renata on the show a few weeks ago, and you and Renata were on the same, I think it was a spirituality self-care panel. And you were second on the left and Renata was at the end. Anyway, (laughs) and as soon as I heard you talking, I just thought... Your story was so fascinating and so cool. And so I was wondering if you can share with our audience, first of all, your backstory, because you are doing tarot. I mean, you're doing a lot of things, but one of the main things is tarot, right? And I've personally worked with you for tarot, and I can tell you it has been transformative. So I would love for you to talk about your story, how you got into tarot.
0: Yeah, so how I first got into tarot and what I'm doing now was a very circuitous journey. It was not linear, surprisingly. I have always been very interested in, from a very young age, just building my own success like And by success, I mean becoming independent and be able to like stand on my own two feet as an adult. That's something that has always been really, really important for me. And just always having, um, you know, be able to make money by myself has been something that I've been pretty much exclusively focused on, like as a main goal for my whole life. Where do you think that came from? Oh, my Virgo moon, maybe. <laughs> I really like um, knowing that I am secure. I really like knowing that I um, am in control of my my fate and my destiny. Maybe that's also a little bit of a part of it too. Um, but I also just love working. I love being of service. And I've always find a, found a way to just inject my own authentic sort of brand of creativity into everything that I do, whether I was like being a barista at Timothy's World Coffee or working in social media marketing for, um, you know, the the NASDAQ, which was the, the stock exchange. And that was my most recent, um, I guess, sort of part of my journey really before I became a full-time tarot reader. So I was working in digital marketing and I worked at ad agencies and then I, I worked for um, MarketWired, which became the NASDAQ and I was doing social media marketing. I tried after I left Market Wired. I just felt the tug to leave there. I felt the intuitive tug to leave there. I felt like it was not my Dharma and I left and I tried to make it work as a self-employed person. I was doing freelance writing, but I was also interested in tarot, but I didn't really have the full commitment to being just the tarot reader that I am now. I didn't have like the sole focus. And and for me, you know, that's the real reason, I guess, that it wasn't able to be sustainable at that point in my life. I think I was probably 20, 27. So really not that long ago that this was.
1: You like said something and energetically I wanted, like I I felt something. You mentioned that you felt a tug, this tug, just the like, just the way the energy behind it and you said that it wasn't a you felt like it it wasn't a part of your dharma can you explain that just a little bit more
0: It's interesting that you picked up on that because I felt it so clearly in that moment. Like it was a, it was a distinct, I actually have the distinct memory in my mind of when I realized when I felt a visceral tug in my body that I was like, this is the time I need to leave now. And I was just walking down my building hall and I felt as if like a wave was taking me forward. And I felt as if it came up through me, this like energetic wave. And it was like, it's time to go. And I am being taken away by this energetic force that is telling me to leave this place. It was hard to ignore. And I left and it's not like the the net appeared. I floundered for a really long time. Like I didn't have a plan, but I don't regret it. And moving through all the challenges that I moved through after that, because they were so important and they were so formative in my journey that I just don't see my path going any other way.
1: So when you were floundering, as you call it in that period afterwards, right? Because that's a lot of the reason why people don't listen to that tug I had that tug not once, not twice, I had that tug multiple times and I shut the tug down. I shut it down. This is why I this is part of the reason why I want to do this podcast is because I know I'm not we're not alone. Um there are so many other people and I think this year especially maybe people might be feeling that. So how to get you through that floundering period? Like what is the biggest thing you learned about yourself during that period?
0: Ultimately, I learned the power of committing to me, like committing to just doing me in the most authentic way. And I kind of dropped the whole story around needing to choose an area of specialization or needing to choose a focus and fit myself into that focus as if I was a block trying to fit myself into somewhere. I was just like, I am just me. And this is the only way that I can conceive of moving forward in a sustainable way is if I just allow myself to be my whole self and just show that that person to the world. Um, That to me was like sustainability. And that's, yeah, I guess like that whole commitment piece and just dropping, dropping the story around what that needed to look like for me. But obviously that came with a lot of experimentation, right? And a lot of, I think, you know, I say floundering, but it was also a lot of really valuable experimentation ultimately, right?
1: Mm -hmm, Totally. I love that because that can be the scariest thing sometimes.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. And especially, and, and I mean, in context, like I am a single person, I have no dependence. I am literally... I only had to think about myself at the time, and that is like really a pivotal part of my, you know, re- reason I guess that I was able to just leave based on my own intuition. But that was my journey, and everyone's definition of floundering is different. Everyone's definition of you know of, of intuitive pulls and tugs are different, right? So everyone's totally. journey is different. But it's just really about honoring yours, and it's really about just honoring what where you feel intuitively like you are being called to move.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like one of the most important things I wanna make very clear too is I'm a single person. The decision was, it was about me. And again, like to your point, like that is my journey, a hundred percent. And there's there's like different ways of listening. So I think one of the most important things is, are you listening? You know. And then for me, it showed up physically because I wasn't listening. You know what I mean? It, it was like, okay, well, we're giving you this idea and you're rejecting it. So like, we'll just keep giving it to you in different ways. And the more I shoved it and stuffed it away, physical symptoms started coming up. That is just my personal journey with it, right? Which is why I'm so curious how it shows up for other people. Because even though we're talking about something that maybe show up or look different, the ethos, the feeling is always the same.
0: A hundred percent. For me, it's physical too, and I think I think a lot of times we think about the intuition as being something totally separate from the physical body. But to me, it's like they are so intertwined. Like the intuition is a system that is like every bit as real as the circulatory system and like the immune system, but it's just energetic. Totally.
1: I mean, depending on who you talk to or who you like listen to, we have energy bodies, right? Or the subconscious mind is the body. Like whoever you talk to, that's why everyone talks about this body wisdom. I don't really care what label you you want to put on it. But something I know just from experience is like your body experiences everything. When you make a, a decision, it affects your body. When you say no to yourself or yes to yourself, and then you feel like shit for like lack of a better term.
0: Yeah. You have to
1: ask yourself, is this helping me improve today? Period. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And even something so simple as like, if I eat this thing that I know my body doesn't like, then my day is not going to go good. (laughs) It's like, or digest it. Or if I eat this thing that is really good, it's like, that's good for me. That's part of my, that's part of me living my best life in this moment. Like something as simple as that, right? We can really break it down to like physical blocks, I guess.
1: Totally. And we can even go further, right? I had this conversation with somebody offline about, we label food good and bad. Like if you want to really go there, it's like, well, food is energy. Like if you go down to like the real hard science, it's like food is actually just energy. And so if we just think about it that way and don't put any any labels on it, well, what happens? So I've been experimenting with that. Like what if I just eat tater tots because I like tater tots? I'm not going to eat them every day, but I just want to see like if, if, if I didn't judge tater tots, what if I just eat what I want? What if I just eat a Danish today? And I didn't judge it. I was just like, oh, this Danish looks really good. And I'm grateful that it's in my house and I just ate
0: it. What would happen to me? Curiosity, like possibility, like so much possibility happens when you kind of embrace that mindset about food, especially every everything. Right?
1: Everything. So again, I'm always the lab rat, the experimenter, the experiment. Like I put myself through that because I think that is how I learn personally. That's just what I found. You know, it's like we judge so many things. And that's just, I don't know why we're talking, well, it doesn't matter why we're talking about it, but we judge so many things. And what I love about what you do in like tarot is that there's so many people who probably come to you. This is actually something I wanted to ask you. Actually, I should probably let you finish your story. I, I do want you to finish your story about how you got to tarot. Like, how did you get from I do know a bit about it and I would love for you, cause it's, it's like, I'm like, this story is too good. I would love for you to talk about, you know, tarot and your beginnings with tarot.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, let's wrap that story up. So I was, um, as I say, floundering slash experimenting slash becoming the magical woman that I am today. Yeah. Becoming. I title. love that word becoming. I love it. Yeah. Hindsight is 2020. 20, I say that I was floundering a little bit then cause it felt like I was floundering, mm-hmm. but I was, um, yeah, just really trying to make it work, trying to pull together like enough money to pay my rent, and I didn't feel empowered. I didn't feel the way that I wanted to feel. So I took a job at um, a nonprofit called We Charity, which has been in the news lately. I'm sure some of your listeners are probably here of that. And I stayed there for actually I stayed there for probably two and a half years, and I had a great time. It was a good. The people who worked there were lovely. While I was working there, I started to just build my relationship with tarot. I started to build my tarot business, but. The reason that I kind of got back into tarot while I was working at this nonprofit was because I was going through my Saturn return period, which is a really interesting sort of moment in your life where you're between 27 and 30. Uh, it's like a cosmic rite of passage where yeah, it is. the universe <laughs> sort of just invites you to be, it pushes you a little bit further to become adult and demonstrate maturity and commitment and decide what that ultimately means for you. So I was going through this really intense period of my life working at this rather um, demanding job. Um, And I found in my parents' basement at this time uh, an old journal, a time capsule that I wrote for myself as a child. And I basically like had this piece of paper just with all these different like pieces of cutout from magazines that were like, like pictures of different women. And I was like, I hope that you have this kind of style. I hope you look like this basically wishes for my future self, like dear future self. I hope you have all these things and do all these things. And one of the things as a child was, I hope that you become a tarot reader because I had a tarot deck at, at age 11, a friend of mine had given me one, but I was afraid of it at the time. I was intimidated. I didn't, I, there's, there was just a lot. Um, so I ended up giving it away then I remembered kind of that seed was planted in me from such a young age. And so I found this sort of time capsule, I guess, at a really just powerful moment in my life. And I really received that as a message from my younger self. And I decided then that this was, there's something to this for me. And I decided that, you know, committing to tarot was something that I should entertain a little bit more seriously. And then I did. And then it just kind of eventually reached a point where, I just had to share it with other people. And then it made sense that I turned it into a business. And now I live tarot. Like I, I don't think about anything else. I wake up in the morning and I think about tarot. I go to bed at night and I think about tarot. And it's just really become a holistic part of my life like it's a, a huge part of my self-care huge part of my creativity and huge part of my like physical livelihood so i really have it to thank for for a lot but anyway yeah so then i quit my that, that nonprofit job and just kind of um covid happened and here we are
1: yeah so you 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 mentioned the word dharma before so what is your definition of dharma
0: my definition of dharma is just ultimately Purpose that feels really authentic to me in a deep way, in a soul way.
1: Mm. So do you feel like tarot is that for you?
0: I would say it's part of my dharma, part of my path. I mean, ultimately, my dharma is to be the fullest expression of myself as a healer, as a, a magical moment, as someone who uses a variety of different tools. But I feel like at this season of my life, it is tarot. It is all tarot. I definitely see myself moving forward and be re- incorporating some other other tools and things like that but I can't see those tools right now from where I am
1: I mm, love that it's such a great story I love that your 11 year old self wrote your what were you 28 27 at the time I was I think I was 20 28 wrote your 28 oh my god that is so cool do you is that somewhere in your house like do you still have it like what, what did you do with it
0: yeah it's still in my basement it's still in my parents basement <laughs> for anybody who's thinking about doing that with your kids just do it oh my gosh, it's even just for fun. Like, it's so interesting. Like, dear future self, open this in five years, open this in 10 years. Like, do it for yourself too, like adults, yeah.
1: Do you know what I did once? I wrote a letter to myself and then at my parents' house, I mailed it to myself <laughs> It was funny to, like, get it back in the mailbox, even though I sent it. It was kind of weird, but... um yeah, it's
0: so good, though.
1: Yeah, it was like, shit, I said that
0: three months ago. Wow. And that... It's so magic, right? Like, it's so magic. You have a little blessing from your past self. It's it's magic. I know. So I
1: can't imagine being, like, 11 and then getting it, like... And I think the coolest thing about it is that no one tried to tell you what to write or... When, when, when I say do this with kids, like, just let them... Kids are so wise, eh? Like, kids are they're just so connected. I was watching something, I forget, it was pretty deep, but they're talking about when you look into a kid's eyes, there's luminous emptiness.
0: Wow.
1: And I was like, yes.
0: That's super cool. Isn't
1: that the coolest thing? Because there's no programming, there's nothing, they, they don't have this, oh, I think I should be that, or I'm going to judge this or this or that, right? Everything is a possibility for them.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful archetype to, to work with and call in to just like try and see the world as a place of wonder and see with with curiosity. And again, it's that non-judgment mind, right? Totally,
1: totally. And it's just like I was on a walk just now by the water in Toronto and there's like seagulls everywhere. It's Toronto, right? And this girl just goes up to a seagull that's just chilling and she just starts petting it.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> and she just starts and he's not moving. <laughs> wow. Like, it's just like, and I like stood there and I was just like, what is stopping me from petting us? Not that like I want to, right. But like,
0: what is actually stopping me from petting a seagull? That's such a good, it's such a good thought experiment. What is stopping me from like, we, there's infinite creative potential in any, every moment. In right? every
1: moment. but like there's like,
0: we could do, we could do a lot more than we just kind of allow ourselves to. And yeah, just trying that, trying that perspective on in small moments like that can be really expansive.
1: hello spiritual seekers and those that want to redefine success it is dr tracy here letting you know that this podcast is brought to you by patreon and we have kate here who's going to answer a question for us from the card game hashtag connect offline so kate your question for today is ooh where is your happy place
0: wow where is my happy place there are so many directions that i can take this question the first thing that's coming to my mind is my bathtub, to be honest with you. <laughs> love it. I am a bath person through and through. I am a Pisces sun. I love a good juicy bath with salts and maybe a, a, a bomb if I'm feeling spicy, a, a bath bomb from Lush. I love the candles. Like I I have a good bath where I just like pull out all the stops sometimes when I'm really feeling it. I love a good ritual, you know?
1: Yes. Oh my God. You know what the like number one thing I told people to do in the office was an Epsom salt bath.
0: It's literally
1: super healing. I didn't even realize how healing it was. So the fact that you said that, it's just love it
0: love it love it yeah love so it. Good. yeah, yeah it's, it is yeah i believe it healing healing for the for the body and the soul and the mind like it's a holistic experience
1: totally totally and people were like bath really i'm like yep
0: <laughs> i know basket's <laughs> so, such a bad rap in self-care but
1: it's like they are really good yeah they're so good so thank you for sharing um if you guys want to hear more of kate's answers follow us and check us out on patreon thanks kate I think that's a really cool segue for me to talk about. The thing that really made me want to bring you on the show was a post that you did around intuition. You know, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? We're so bogged down with this. I think someone called it compassion fatigue. Everybody's story, like we just said, I'm single, you're single. We have to worry about ourselves. We, I don't have a family and kids to like... I'm not going to pretend I want to give you like, this is just my biased opinion. Right. But it's my platform. So (laughs) I'm going to say that. Right. So whether you agree with the compassion fatigue or not, it's like we don't even want to make decisions on on what to eat for dinner sometimes. Right. Like the more people I talk to, they're like, I can't even process there's so much going on I'm not used to going within I think we were both born with a with a deeper ability to do that which is why in our Saturn return we were like whoa because it was so powerful my Saturn return was like the game-changing part of my life right and I'm 30 so I'm still kind of like in that a little bit but mine started at 26 for sure like I knew when it started I felt it right away I could not ignore it So can you um, elaborate a little bit on intuition and maybe speak to that person who is not used to listening or maybe so like bogged down with just what's going on during the day?
0: So I am very much of the mind that every single person has an intuition, even if you do not believe you have one, even if you don't acknowledge it, I think you do. I think we all have an intuitive knowing, like we are all psychic to a certain degree. I think that psychic receptivity is something that exists on a spectrum and you can decide, set the intention to hone your gifts of psychic receptivity and you can build them as a strength. And if you want to do that, if you want to strengthen your connection to your intuition, then it is very simple but it's not easy work but it requires a simple outlook it requires you to really simplify your way of thinking about things so that you can get back into your body knowing right because in order to hear your intuition you can't be trying to figure things out you can't be judging you can't be thinking really too too hard at all it's just really about getting anchored into the present moment and just really feeling into the subtleties of your body, just really asking yourself with an open mind, what feels good versus what feels bad and what your definition of those are in any given moment, knowing that your definition of those in any given moment is going to change and just really having that relationship to your inner voice. Also things like grounding down into nature and just attuning to the peace of nature can be really helpful for you to just tap into Living a little bit of time of your day without being connected to technology can be really helpful to just getting grounded and centered into your inner knowing, just simplifying your lifestyle, I guess, in any sort of moment. And you're thinking about simplifying your outlook in any given moment is what can really help you to tap into your intuition.
1: And just because it seems simple, I don't want people to like overlook it. I don't want people to overlook it. And I want to tell you about something I noticed as a chiropractor in the, in the office. And this is just, again, I have deeply connected to my intuition. And I think I was born with a heightened sense to do that. So, So something that I realized in the office is that patients would not allow themselves to feel what pain f- actually felt like. So they would describe pain, but they wouldn't allow themselves to actually experience it. They would just have the fear and then game plan around it so that they didn't have to experience it. And that's where the thinking comes in. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: A hundred
1: percent. Okay. 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 Because I saw this so many times and then I saw it so many times that I was like, shit, I'm doing that. Because I would be picking up people's stuff, right? Because I didn't understand how energy worked. I didn't know. No one taught us in the school this stuff. They were like, structure, 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 pain, 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 (laughs) do, do, do. And it's like, ah. And I'm like, my little feminine heart is dying, right? So, (laughs) but I was like, helping people is what I'm here to do. And I knew that. So I just kind of got tough, right? Which I'm doing air quotes, everyone, tough, right? Yes, yeah. Um, (laughs) And so do you think that that's a good first step to just be like, what is happening right now?
0: Inquiry, just getting into that inquiry mind. It's like, if there is pain present, of course, you can take an Advil. Of course, you can assess the pain. Of course, you can do take steps to alleviate the pain. But first, I would suggest that, you know, in order to think about Receiving the wisdom, there there is a mindset of like receiving wisdom from the pain, receiving the feedback that the pain has for you. Maybe if it's something in your shoulder, maybe for storing tension in your shoulder, maybe you could think about just like an ergonomically correct situation. It could be as simple as that. Look a little bit closer to that. It's just about embracing that inquiry.
1: Yeah, and I tell people because everyone like the number one thing I heard in the office was people blaming their chairs. <sighs> it's not your chair it's not you sitting.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Isn't that so interesting. It's
1: how you feel about the chair. It's how you feel about sitting. It's not the chair because I sit in a chair a lot now, right? I'm not in the office, but I'm not in pain because I feel really good about my work. So the chair is like nothing, you know, and I'm also, I have a sit to stand desk. I mean, I was a good chiropractor, right? So I've got myself a little sit to stand desk and I know that's not possible for everybody, but you can just stand sometimes.
0: Yeah, and that's just it. If that's the problem, when we Google our symptoms, we're limited to what other people think this means, what other people think we should do and what other people are telling us to do. It's like, no, first check in with yourself.
1: And like major injuries that happen in people's lives, there's always this major emotional event that presupposes their injury. And no doctor ever asks about that. That's so interesting. Oh my God, Kate, that's why I was like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to all my colleagues about this. They're all going to be so excited. And they were like, what the hell? Like, we don't care. We just want to like, you know, help people get back to what they want to do. I'm like, but that's how they got here in the first place. If we just say to them, go back to what you were doing before you came here, because that's what people want. They want the same. They don't want change. People are like, I'm here for my maintenance. Give me my quick crack and then I'll be on my way going back to what I was doing before. And I'm like, but
0: no, you know. If only it were really that easy.
1: Yeah, and people have to go through that like a bunch of times, right? Until they get sick and tired and they're like, well, this is not working. And their potential, like you said, like you talked about it, like one of the first things you said is like you wanted to be in charge, like you wanted to forge your own path. That's the thing I think most people in this world are so afraid of is the unknown. I mean, we're seeing it literally today now. So I hate to like go back to your story, but I think it's so relevant for now, faced with the unknown, faced with this tug, how would you suggest, or what was your experience, I should say, so that someone can learn from this, right? How did you kind of bridge that gap? How did you create that bridge of
0: incidents? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you create that bridge, right? And you do it by asking a lot of questions. I think when we feel overwhelmed by fear and overwhelmed by uncertainty, We just need to, and something that my therapist said that was really, really helpful for me was when we keep our fears vague, when we talk about them in really vague ways, then they they hold their power and we dissolve their power by getting really specific about what it is we are afraid of, what it is about the uncertainty that feels so bad to us. And just really entering into a lot of inquiry. If you're feeling like you are not in alignment with your right life right now and you want to make a big shift like start to break it down into and, tr- and get really really specific the questions that you need answers to the you know all the supports you need to call in all the resources that you need just start to think about dissolving a little bit of the vagueness around that uncertainty one tiny step at a time and this kind of thing doesn't happen overnight right but you can make kind of leaps and bounds when you start to ask good questions
1: Yeah, I love that because it's so true. It's kind of like what I just mentioned about the pain. If you don't allow yourself to experience it, I think think my psychotherapist or someone told me this, like any emotion lasts for 90 seconds. If you don't resist, if you don't create a story, if you don't judge and you just sit with it, it lasts for 90 seconds. And he gave me this visualization to go with it. So he gave me the visualization of sitting on the edge of a beach, The waves are coming over you, but the wave is not big enough to sweep me with it. So even when it feels like intense, (laughs) just know it's 90 seconds.
0: There is always a part of you that is operating from a seat of higher awareness and you can be feeling pain and not have to be swept away by it, not have to be taken by it.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be consumed and it's not what you think. It's this story I created about how bad pain was going to be. And then I let myself experience it. And I was like, well, this is actually just a lot of disappointment in myself for not listening to myself. Like, I want to make this abundantly clear. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just observing and recognizing a subconscious pattern so that I can do something about it, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the other thing about intuition, too, that is important to note. Like your intuition is never punishing it's never dismissive it's never it's always neutral it's always just this neutral voice inside of you that is like hey this is what's happening like this is what's going on and then you can be from the seat of the higher awareness be like oh okay now I'm gonna work on this and then we're gonna move forward
1: yeah and it's like my intuition has said things and I'm like what (laughs) right like what that is like that feels intense but it feels true and so it doesn't actually feel bad it feels like a lot. It feels intimidating. It feels, but it never feels, feels bad. The truth
0: feels good. You know what I mean? It feels good in a way for your body. You're like, I can work with this. This is the way forward.
1: Cause you can make a proper decision. So I studied with Bob Proctor and he used to always say that intuition is perfect. Wow. You know it because there's a sense of relief in a way. Yes, they're like, oh, because in this world where we're like told what, what we should like, or, you know, where we should go and what we should do and who we should please. When you connect to your intuition, you know, it, you know, the truth when you feel it, period.
0: 100% feeling free, but also secure like at home it's like this beautiful feeling of like yeah that's it's perfect embodied wisdom in a way that it's totally
1: and when he said that I was like "Mm." because he's kind of like blah 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 I'm like oh again it's like that like super like you know it's kind of like by a patriarch thing you know I'm like oh it's like dying you know and but he, he but he totally means well and it's so funny now that I have like another like I've kind of gone through another level of awareness I can really appreciate what he said because it's so true intuition is perfect I'm like oh
0: yeah. Sometimes we hear things and then it sticks with us and then we remember it. And then we're like, we, we know it in a different way. Right.
1: I know it in a different way now. And I just think that that's like such a cool thing to like think about, you know, and uh, Maxwell Maltz was talking about something. So he is a plastic surgeon who would do surgery on people and then realize that nothing would change. So it's like, okay, Tracy, I did your nose job. This is your new nose. And they would look at it and not, they would feel worse than they did before. Wow. And some people would feel better. They would be like, oh my God, my new nose. I'm amazing. I'm so beautiful. But like, he was like, why the like? I just did a nose job for the same, for like two different people. Why the different reactions? So he was a really smart guy. So he came up with this whole thing around self-image, the way we see ourselves. And he said, I read something in that book and it was like, when you self-abandon, it is the hardest thing because you dug that hole. The reason why I bring that up is because I feel like when people don't listen to their intuition, it kind of feels like that because you talk about that like free, but safe feeling that you're saying no to not knowingly, right. I'm not trying to say like a judge or anything. It's not a knowing thing, but I want this to be like, people have to hear something like how many times for it to like sink in, right? Like, I just want to keep saying it because I feel like the more people hear it, it's kind of like that Bob Proctor thing. It didn't really make sense. It didn't land, but I heard it. And now when I'm in a different state, I really can appreciate it. But at some point, I hope people realize that because that is the thing I'm realizing on this journey. The deepest cuts, the deepest wounds, the hardest ones I'm saying in quotes to recover from are the ones I dug myself. And a lot of them have to do with how I view and treat and talk to myself.
0: A hundred percent. And it really all comes down to that, right? Like that is so important. It's so important, especially today,
1: especially being in our bodies, being at home, not having the distraction of the car ride or the distraction of the routine, the going to work where I can just shut everything off and like, you know, then come back home and have to deal with everything again. It's like, now you're home and you have to deal with everything all the time, <laughs> you know? Oh man, yeah. You gotta deal. You have to de- you have to deal with that, right? And it's like, like you know, I, I actually heard a stat and it was more people in the world have a cell phone than have access to clean water
0: oh my gosh,
1: I thought about that for three days. (laughs) That's absolutely freaking wild. That's wild. Can you believe that? Like, I was like, I didn't hear that right. You just said more people have a cell phone. I believe it. Because of the way our society is structured. So to be honest with you, I have been rethinking of this whole scarcity and abundance thing. Mm. Because I'm like, what does that actually mean? Because abundance, everybody has a cell phone. But not everyone has access to clean drinking water. What kind of
0: world are we living in? What kind of world? It's absolutely wild. We're living in a world that is literally dominated by phones. <laughs> but we made it that way. Me
1: too. Like, I, I have a cell phone. Guilty. I have a cell phone. I live in North America, right? And everyone's like, well, duh. But like, it, sh- it should be duh that people have clean access to, like, to water. Oh, like, my God. That should be a duh. That's absolutely
0: heartbreaking,
1: right? When people say, well, I want to go back to normal. I'm like, no, if this is what normal brought us, I guess this is just, I don't know, my Aquarius, I don't know, I'm not going to even put, this is just me. This is how I think. I'm like, no, no, no. Right? Now that I've like broken free from my box, I'm like, what difference can I make in the world? And it's like, no, I want to help people think differently about themselves first. When you think differently about yourself, you automatically shift how you think about everything else. This was never something I cared about before when I was in my own head being like, my life sucks or whatever. And I'm not judging people if that's where you are, right? I was there. But there's so many other things that are going on in the world. And when you wake up to the fact that things weren't working, and this is just one stat, I'm being very nitpicky because this one affected me so much. I don't know. I feel like it's such a basic thing. Like when people talk about gratitude, it's like, well, I'm grateful for clean water. And people are like, yeah, yeah. It's like, no. When you think about the fact that somebody doesn't have that as an option, it becomes
0: really easy (laughs) to feel into it. Yeah. It's magic that we can turn on a tap and have clean water come out. That is magic. Whenever I want. I, I fully feel the same way in my journey. It's like, I have always felt like, when I feel empowered about myself and the difference that I can make with my intention and my actions and the way that I use my phone, then that's the foundation for me, like being able to live a life that I can feel good about my, my impact. You know what I mean? So,
1: yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm not judging phones. I want, I don't want people, I have a phone, right? But it's like, what are you doing with that phone?
0: A hundred percent. Like it's a tool, right? Let's it's, not it's forget. It's a tool. It is a Everything
1: tool. is a tool, right? Like I can start a podcast and I could talk about anything, Right. But for me, I wanted to talk about stories that matter. Totally. Right? People's stories. I want to talk about these kinds of experiences and share your voice, spread your message, and hope, and not even hope, I know that this is going to help people. Like, I want people to think differently about themselves. And I purposely named my podcast Spirit of Success because those things are so misunderstood. Yeah, because it's just like, I want us to redefine these things for what they mean for us and realize that there isn't this one definition of success that works for everybody.
0: Yeah. And I really feel like that's the beauty of this time is that we're all starting to see that we all really do need to come up with our own authentic definition of success and really how personal it really is. And I think that our collective idea of what success is, is really changing in this time. And that is, something to be something to be hopeful about.
1: Totally. So with that, I would love to ask you what your relationship with success is today.
0: That's such a good juicy question. I'm giving I'm going to say this is really vague, but I just want to feel good about the work that I'm doing in a day. I want to feel like I like myself and I want to feel like I like what my relationship with my tools and I like my relationship with my platforms and I just want to feel like I am being authentic in my life
1: that's not vague at all (laughs) that's not vague I think if you pivoted a career to something that maybe didn't make head sense then this makes total sense when you make that pivot it makes heart it makes so much heart sense like dharma pull like it makes so much heart sense and then the like challenge comes within speaking or being public or saying that out loud to other people, if you know what I mean, because there's a lot of comments,
0: judgments, or whatever, like, have you experienced that? Yeah. And I think it just really comes down to just being so firmly rooted in yourself and your heart, knowing that it's all just feedback that can't really consume you. It's all just feedback that, I don't know, I think it, me living my, what feels to me, like, my most authentic life allows me to actually have more compassion for other people. Right. And where they're probably coming from when they say something that feels to me like a judgment or something, I really am able to have, have compassion for that.
1: I think our capacity, we're finding out what our capacity is for that type of thing. Um, that like kindness, like leading with kindness first, we've seen the like things on like Instagram, like you you don't know what people are going through and it's true. Right. And I think we've been more open about that than ever as a society So there's so many positive things that I'm holding on to that we can build on. And then there's some certain things like I talked about with the phone that I just like, I would hope that that goes away, you know? And so finding that balance and where you fit in that is another thing. So I just wanted to say, thank you. I think I'm just going to wrap there because I think that was such a good answer. But if people want a tarot reading or if they're really interested, um, how can they connect and find out more about you?
0: You can go to my website. It is katefowley.com, K-A-I-T-F-O-W-L-I-E.com. And yeah, book a reading there. It is the season of the witch. So I have a special offering for that. I also run a seven week online tarot school. If you want to learn the tarot fundamentals because I'm also a tarot teacher, which I adore. And I post a lot of readings on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram. It is kate underscore fowley. So yeah, check me out. I would love to chat and be your friend.
1: Wow. That was such a fun episode. Kate, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate you sharing all of your gems. I also wanted to thank you, our listeners, for being here. Like I said in the beginning of the intro of this episode, this is a really important episode, important milestone for us to get to, and we could not do that without your support. For those of you who left us a rating and a review, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, for those of you who have shared this episode with someone who you you think you can bet who could benefit, I also wanted to take time and say thank you so much. It means the world to me that you get value from these episodes. And that's what continues to motivate me to want to put out content. So thank you so much for that. If you want to continue to support us, you can do so on Patreon. The link is in the show notes and you you get to know all of our guests better, as well as getting to know me better if that's something that you want to do. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up. I just want to say thank you again for all of your support. We look forward to hosting a epic conversation next week, and I hope you make it a great day.